Welcome to Library Land, a podcast about libraries, literature, and whatever strikes our fancy. We have a number of hosts, so the voices you hear may change from segment to segment. We want to hear from you, too, and maybe use your feedback in the show. On Twitter, we're at LibraryLandPod. On Facebook, we're LibraryLand Podcast. And our blog is librarylandpodcast.blogspot.com. We'd love to hear your actual voice if you'd like to record a little something and attach it to an email to libraryland at outlook.com. Thank you for joining us. There are sound issues in this week's episode, with background noises and the like. We did our best to clean it up, and we'll try to do better next time. There was once a time when libraries were considered to be solely repositories for books. And there are more than a few people today who still think that's the case. The reality is that nowadays, libraries carry all kinds of materials. Music, movies, magazines, comic books, manga, and now video games. Video games are a relatively young format compared to the others represented in libraries, yet they bring their own share of characteristics and challenges along with them. On the topic of geekery, we're hanging out in 794.8, the world of video games. My name is Mike. I'm a community librarian in Edmonton, Canada. And I'm Judith. I am a library patron and library fan. And I'm Faith Arredondo. I am a teen services librarian for Tulare County Library. Awesome. Welcome to Library Land. So, um, video games. I guess we'll do what every other video game podcast does, or what every video game podcast does, and let's talk about what we've been playing lately. (laughs) Faith, why don't you start? What have you been playing lately? I've been on reading committees for the past two years, so I haven't played much on my PS3 or my PSP. I've mainly been doing games on my iPad. And I've been doing Empire something or other. It's one of those ones that was on TV and The Simpsons tapped out. Uh, Sum Sum, I play a lot of. Anything that only takes me like a few turns and then I'm done because I have to read all the time. But before I stopped for my committees, I was playing Grand Theft Auto uh, 5, which my teens bought me at the end of summer reading program in 2013. So that's what I was playing on that. Oh. Grand Theft Auto Five. I just I just finished it myself actually, and yeah, I think my favorite thing about that game is the fact that Trevor's rampages are brought about by the fact that people making fun of him for being Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> that, that resonates. That resonates yeah, on a level. Trevor. <laughs> How about you, Judith? Do you play? Do you play games? I play some games, not so much video games. The only video game that I really sort of got into was Sims, but I do play other games like Cards Against Humanity and. You know, some of the other types of games, but not necessarily all the video ones, because I know that once I get started, like I saw World of Warcraft and tried playing that once years ago. And I knew that if I let myself get involved in that game, I would never have a life because that's all I would do is play World of Warcraft forever. Yeah, that game will consume your life. I'm surprised you managed to ring, uh, ring yourself away from the from the sims to be honest yeah it's, i love that too yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it's self-control as best i can <laughs> fair enough fair <laughs> enough um for myself i've been playing um well i, I played grand theft auto 5 recently um i'm actually redoing a replay of the mass effect games which are uh, a science fiction rpg series uh, i play those kind of every winter it's kind of like going back to an old book and they're they're pretty interesting so 
I guess one of the first question is, do your libraries carry video games? Uh, mine doesn't currently. Um, at my last job, I actually built the video game collection myself, nice. which was so fun. I never had so much fun in my life. Yeah, so we built it there. It's still ongoing, but it's really expensive. You have to have a very healthy budget in order to even sustain itself. But our new ones, we, we don't check them out, but we do have gaming systems in the library for people to use. Oh, really? People can use systems in the library? Yeah, we have... What do we have? We have a Wii U for the tweens. We have a PS4 for the teens and the Xbox Connect, just the regular Xbox, not the Xbox One, uh, for the children. And so we do gaming, certain gaming yeah. days for them. Wow. Cool. We have a PS4 at my branch. Uh, and I'll, actually, well, we also have a PS2 and a Wii from, from a few years ago, but they still, they're still functional. They work okay. And we do those for, for teen programming and, and other things mm -hmm. as well. And because I don't play them... I haven't really noticed if my library has them or not, but I would imagine they do because the LA public library system, the central library in particular, they're very heavily supported and so they have all the latest and greatest stuff. But even though I myself haven't gone to see what they have, I do know because I follow them all on Twitter that they do have gaming nights. So pretty much all the libraries within the LA public library system are at least offering uh, various types of, of gaming nights for patrons. So they must have the equipment and the games. One thing I found hard with the PS4 especially is finding a lot of versus games because my teens like to play against each other. I don't know if you've run into that problem at your branch. I mean, we have one. We have Injustice because they love playing superhero characters, even though they are DC. That's the only one that we have. Yeah, that's the one we do. We do, Well, basically, the program we run is uh, it's called Teen Lounge. So we have it. It's open for teen, kids uh, 12 to 17 years old. We do it. This is at our branch. A different. There's 19 branches of the of my library system. So different branches have different programs. With the Teen Lounge that we offer at my service point, the we have a PS4, and we have the exact same problem. Yes, we use. Um, we do, we have a lot of sports games, um, you know, uh, whether it's uh, FIFA or NHL or something like that. Those are popular because then they're easy for multiplayer. We actually just ordered a couple of extra controllers as well. The challenge, of course, is finding multiplayer games. The big challenge we have too is with M-rated games. Uh, I mean, the kids want the kids want to play Call of Duty, and I know they play it at home. <laughs> so, but at, right. but at the same but at the same time, we we kind of we put a limit on there to say T games only because for the for the benefit of the younger kids and also we don't you know we don't want parents to come in and get mad at us and stuff fair enough you know so so we mm -hmm. try to we put a little bit on yeah that. we do that too we i make sure to get t plus games and like even when i show movies i make sure they're rated pg-13 so the teens have a sense of ownership of their own like video games and movies right it's just it's a way to protect their space too and their area and their programming exactly. and but i mean you know at the same time if a 13 year old wants brings Grand Theft Auto 5 to the counter and wants to take it home, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to stop them that because that's that's in our policies that, you know, that we're not in a position to prevent them from doing that. That's that's up to the parents. And, right. You know, blah, blah, blah. Intellectual freedom and all that. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, we do we do Teen Lounge. We also, uh, we have a couple of other programs that we offer um, We do that, that have to do with gaming and stuff. We do one called a pop-up makerspace. Uh, in our library, we have a we have a makerspace with which has some uh, devices like little bits and Lego robots and things like that. And there's a gaming component to that as well, uh, where we bring out laptops with um, and iPads where they have Minecraft loaded on them. 
uh, some other games like uh, the the laptops we have have League of Legends. Um, what well, the the main branch of Edmonton Public Library also has a League of Legends club that meets every week. So they all get together and they get to play. And are you familiar with League of Legends, Judith? Uh, no, no, but but I am familiar with Minecraft. That seems to be the game du jour. I, I see all the libraries. I, in fact, I think one of the L.A. libraries, they sent like the whole staff on this training where all they did was learn how to play Minecraft all day. And so they'd be able to be there for, the, for whoever comes in and wants to play. And so I know that that's pretty wildly popular, but I haven't heard of uh, League of Legends, no. Okay. Well, that's a whole podcast in itself. But <laughs> I mean, basically what it is, it's uh, it's a game where it's five versus five. You can choose from up to 100 characters, uh, about 100 characters. You choose your character, and then you basically battle on a on a map uh, to take out the other ah. team. That's in, in that's the 30-second version of what that game is. <laughs> it's incredibly deep and uh, incredibly lucrative if you're very good at it, uh, because there's like major competitions and things like that. And there's about 70 million people who have an account. There's 20 million people at a t- uh, who are playing it at any given time. It's it's huge. It's big wow. time. Wow. Wow. And how how is the turnout in the libraries, you know, for these different games whether to play there or check out, you know, are, are these really popular items in your in your experience? Uh very popular, yeah, with kids and adults. Uh of course, I mean the average age of a gamer is about 35 years old. So there's definitely, you know, my generation, people that grew up playing the old Atari 2600 and in television and all that stuff, uh who are who are still very much gamers. Our program gets about yeah, pretty consistently about 10-15 kids every every time, which is not bad mm-hmm. for considering we had no teens at all in the library before. What about you, Faith? Uh we only, we don't do it too much. Because my teens, some of them have it at home, and a lot of my kids don't have internet access at home. So they don't really, they don't have internet access. They don't have, you know, the PlayStation 4, the PlayStation 3. But when we do run a tournament, because we usually run one every summer as part of the summer reading program, where it's team versus team, we do get upwards to like 15 to 20 kids, which is amazing. But they love it. And they love playing games against each other. They're really big on board games. They just initiated a board game night that we're going to run here in a couple weeks. So yeah, but when I do run it, it's good. But it's hard because I don't want them to exhaust the injustice. So one of the one of the gamer boys, he's uh, he's searching for more uh, PvP so we can get more kids involved. Street Fighter Five is coming out in early next oh, year, so right. that'll be that'll be huge. Yes, that's perfect. That will fit in for next summer. Yeah, they do like they like playing each other because they like to trash talk <laughs> each other mostly. Right. And bragging rights. Which I get. None of them want to play me though, because I'm a button masher, and I tend to do very well that yeah. way. That's that's my version of trash talking <laughs> when we play uh, like with the Wii or whatever. We'll break out Super Smash Brothers Brawl, which I donated, which I donated <laughs> to the library. It was my copy, but I was you know whatever. I'm done with it. So and it's fun. That's my trash talking is when I'm beating somebody. And I was like, I'm not. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just mashing buttons. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just how many, how many um, nights a week or nights a month are, are you guys um, doing it up by you, Mike, having a game night for the, for the, everybody? Is it just for kids, or do you have adult game nights too? Or we've never really done anything for adult game night specifically. There hasn't really, really been any sort of demand for it. I wouldn't be adver- averse to it. It's you know, right now it's kind of a question of making sure that there's some sort of need before we'd before we'd run anything but for teens for sure there's a there's a built-in audience and it's also certainly a component of it is creating a safe fun after school space for them to go so they're not going to you know the mall or whatever 
you know, something like that. That's definitely a big part of, of what we're offering. So that's what, that was going to be my next question. So there, these game nights are generally af- right after school hours? Ours is actually after dinner. It's from 6.30 to 8. Okay. But that's because one of the other service points has a similar program right after school. We wanted to kind of stagger them so somebody could potentially go mm-hmm. to both if they wanted to. So you do some coordinating with the schools then in, in terms of what other either they're doing or other organizations are doing? Yeah, a big part of my job as a community librarian is I go out to organizations, I go out to schools, I have a relationship with them, and I do programming, I do outreach, uh, where I'm talking to the students and just kind of promoting the library. Uh, In fact, this week I've been out at the local high school. Uh, I'm spending the whole week out there talking to grade 10 students who are just coming into high school, just kind of really let them know about the library as 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 a resource for them. When I used to go into schools, we would like book talk and we would always ask kids, hey, how many of you like to read? And like nobody would raise their hands. And I'd be like, all right, well, how many of you like to play video games? And they all raise their hand. And I go, do you read the instructions on the screen and like the the captions when they're talking? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, guess what you're reading? And they were all so mad at me because I would trick them. But that was always my opening point. I'm like, yeah, you read whether you like it or not. And what about the backstories? A lot of these games, you know, have have extensive you know, in story and backstory, and now there's all these comic books and other medium related to the, to the games. Are the kids reading those at all? Uh, in my experience, yeah, for sure. I mean, well, the game series, the game I was talking about earlier, Mass Effect, um, it's a trilogy, and not, I mean, the game is very story heavy. It's all about exploring space and interacting with other with aliens and and having these conversations with characters and depending on how you respond will affect how things go in the story um but beyond the story which is also which is very dialogue heavy and, and reading heavy there's also a whole series of codex which gives background to that universe mm-hmm. that the that the creators have made so i mean if you want to really get into it there's like books worth of reading not to mention there's also a lot of books based on you know sort of like right. halo for example there's there's books based in that universe and warhammer and um and also mass effect and other series too so and they they go out they check out they mm-hmm. circulate and now a lot of movies too we um minecraft was kind of big at at our library like the kids liked it we didn't run programming because we just didn't have the bandwidth or the amount of computers we could but we have kids coming up to us all the time asking us for minecraft like fiction Mm -hmm. books which they don't have any official ones they only have unofficial ones that we can't get from our vendor so yeah they it does spill over because they just can't get enough of it but it's not with the teens for us it's like it's the upper middle grade it's the upper elementary and the middle grade kids that want that stuff so it does. They, these kids read. <laughs> Don't listen to anybody. They all read. <laughs> I see it every day. Minecraft is a really interesting case because when it was in alpha, uh, that's when I bought it. Because uh, it was sort of notable as being you could buy it in alpha and then you owned it and you could sort of play it as it was as Marcus Pearson was, was, was building the game. And so I played it a lot with my friends in the summer of like 2011, 2010, 2011. And had a great time with it uh, and everything, but it's funny. And then and then teens got into it. And now it's it's funny. My five year old daughter is into Minecraft. <laughs> it just skews younger and younger all the time. It's really interesting. I can't think of too many games like that. Um, hey Faith, when you were um, so when you were developing the video video game collection in your your previous library system, what were I'm curious? What were some of the um, some of the challenges that you faced? Because. The, the budget we had today was only for teens. We were only buying 
the video games for teens. So it came out of the teen budget. So I had to stay with a T and people would send me suggestions nonstop to buy the rated M games. And I'm like, yeah, I know those are super cool and I want to play them too, but you cannot get them from the library. It has to come out of like the adult budget. That was one of the biggest things that I ran into is because, you know, I couldn't get the games that everybody wanted to. And yet I had this budget I had to spend on games. And there's really at that time, which was like four or no, it was probably like five or six years ago that I did it. There wasn't a lot of the good like middle range games. So that was that was my biggest problem. I was like, I know Grand Theft Auto is awesome. I know Halo is awesome, <laughs> but I cannot get those with this. You know, this money was earmarked for teenagers. So I couldn't buy the rated M games. That was the biggest problem. And trying to find a reliable vendor that could get us what we wanted because it was so new at the time that I had trouble finding a vendor that could do it. And we finally ended up finding one, but those don't get discounted at all. So we were paying more than the purchase price because, you know, we were paying for pre-processing and right. it was super expensive. They were popular though, but super expensive. Yeah, one of the things I've, I've noticed, and I'm, I'm not involved with purchasing or anything. I, I do, I make a lot of requests to our purchasing department, so they probably <laughs> hate me a little bit. But the um, one, of the, one of the challenges uh, that I've noticed with purchasing video games is the games that are online only some uh, where the challenge is sort of what to do with them like for example titanfall uh, is a game where it's multiplayer only pretty much and you have to be online in order to be able to really play it uh, so it sort of limits kind of limits its audience for people who have a system but they're not connected one of the, some of the challenges there with how do we label it and um whether we should make it, how do we make it available, that sort of thing. I don't think, I'm trying to remember, I don't think I bought any. I don't think online gaming was as big as it was now, back when I was doing this, but we didn't buy them. You know, we only bought things that could only be played on the system. We didn't buy stuff that could be played on a laptop or a computer. It was always for the Wii, the Xbox, and at that time it was just the PS3. And then later I got tasked with adding games for the children's and then we added you know the ds at the time i think that was the only one but i don't think we bought any no we did buy psp games there was no vita then like i said five years six years ago it was a lot of fun oh, handheld games too. and i got to cool yeah we did that after a while and it was so fun to go to schools and tell kids that that's what i did for a living what do you do i buy graphic novels and video games what do you do what do you want to do when you grow up <laughs> oh so basically you have the greatest job ever yeah <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yes. That was that was the best thing. It's still really good now. I still get to buy a bunch of stuff. But yeah, at that time, I was like, yeah, that's what I do. And they were like, oh my god. I was like, right? <laughs> this may, may be a stupid question, uh, but when you, ha when you have the people you know, coming in and playing these uh, massive multiplayer online games, how does, you know, obviously you guys must have some high-powered internet, but do you find that it bogs things down? I mean, because you have people that are there not for just for gaming. There's people online, on the internet, doing all kinds of things. And then you have the gaming nights. You know, are the games kind of slower in the library, or is it a whole separate thing? How, how does that work out there? Uh, well, in the case of our library, um, the like multiplayer games, like massive multiplayer games, uh, we we just have console games. We don't have anything on PC oh, really, okay. that we circulate. Uh, yeah, um, but as far as our gaming nights and programs, uh, most of the multiplayer stuff we'll do is local multiplayer. So it's you know two people standing in the room playing against each other or playing with each oh, other. Okay. Um, 
we don't yeah we have i mean we we have wi-fi and everything like that but the online component isn't really it's not really active as far as league of legends goes i think what they do is they play local mm -hmm. um but yeah so okay uh, now, as far as, as Minecraft goes, we actually have uh, on our public computers, when somebody logs in with their library card number, they can access, they, actually there's a link to Minecraft mm -hmm. right there, and the minecraft.edu, and what it does is you can you can start a game, and then you can create basically create your own little server, and then your friends can join in. Okay. So. All right, so it's a more controlled environment. They're, they're not actually playing people in China or whatever. Well, they might be, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, somebody would need to connect, yeah. Um, I mean, people play online games on our public computers, like they'll play something like Clash of Clans, mm -hmm. or oh, I don't even know, um, Attack on Titan, I think, is one that's really popular, or EverQuest. Mm -hmm. I've even seen, there's still people that play EverQuest, which is hilarious. There's a game for Attack on Titan? I think so, yeah. I, I think know. it's in beta or something. <laughs> I've seen some uh, kids playing it, but... I'm done looking And, that. I mean, that's <laughs> open, you can play with whomever, uh... And, I mean, I'm guessing they just connect through some sort of remote server. But it's not something that our IT department would control at all. It's mm -hmm. just, you're just connected. Um, it might block it because of firewalls and stuff. But uh, it's usually, they're usually pretty good about that. It used to be a, more of an issue, I think, a few years ago when online gaming was becoming more more of a thing. Now, it seems like most of the, the wrinkles have been kind of ironed out and that, that sort of thing. World of Warcraft paved the way for mm -hmm. all that. I can't wait for the multi <laughs> yeah. It might be the rare case where, well, rare, like that's never happened before, where a case where a video game actually gets turned into a decent movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Warcraft so looks bad. great. Yeah. What video games have been turned into a movie? Street Fighter, okay. Double Dragon. Street Fighter was really bad. Hitman. Prince of Persia was the biggest one. Um, it was, it was, oh, it, was it was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was kind of mediocre. Um, what else? House of the Dead. Uwe Boll, that ger uh, German director, he, um, He's he's made a bunch, and they're they're all garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they're I think they're actually making a, a movie of Attack on Titan as well. Attack on Titan's already been a manga and a graphic, right? And right, but I think anime. they're releasing a movie as well on you know like a live action movie, not a not a anime manga kind of thing. I, I heard something about that at Comic Con. Let's hope it's. Yeah, they well today I know they announced um, Nate Wolf as light for Death Note, and my teens just had an absolute conniption <laughs> fit over it. So in a good in a good way or a bad way, a very bad way, a very bad way. They were not happy about it. I was like, okay, I wish I re would have recorded this because this <laughs> is just amazing. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. So how did you guys get started into gaming? Um, well, I, I started uh, playing when I was a little kid. Um, you know, the very first thing, my very first experience with video games was seeing Donkey Kong in an arcade. And I was probably about nine, or no, I was probably about seven or eight, I think. And then I got, for Christmas one year, I got one of those, it was a, it's like a, it looked like a tiny little mini arcade machine, and it played Donkey Kong. And yeah, that was... Oh, okay, yeah. Those yeah. little tiny yeah. things, yeah. And uh, from that moment, I was hooked. And then I had, you know, the ColecoVision and a television and Commodore 64, like all those old systems and everything. So, And then it just sort of went on from there. And and for, and for me, when I was a, a teenager, that's when Atari had first come out back in the 70s. And uh, 
So I remember playing, you know, Pong and some of these Atari games as, as a teenager. Then later on as an adult, I dated somebody who was into the computer games. I don't even know what you call them anymore, but it's, uh, you know, these games where you go online and you basically go around collecting treasures and, you know, you find these secret passageways, whatever. Can't remember the name of the game that he was really into and he got me into that. But then for many years, I didn't play any games, but I'm a big comic book nerd. And I noticed that all the comic book stores, because of trying to draw people in and fears of maybe going under with the advent of comics going online, they all started introducing these games like Magic the Gathering and a bunch of others. And, and so I kind of got exposed to it through, uh, through comic books. And just being the general nerd that I am, I felt like, gosh, I, I need to be on top of these things. And then, like I said, I Sims and Warcraft. So I, I, I've never been a steady gamer where I've you know, been playing consistently for years and I don't have whole franchises of games, but I dabble. <laughs> Mine, um, I used to play my cousin's Atari, but that was at their house. And my dad bought me a Nintendo 64 because he wanted to play Duck Hunt. But I wasn't really good at Mario. But it's my mom's fault. I became a gamer. Um, when I was in high school, she, we were visit, it was spring break and she saw an ad for a Game Boy on sale. And she's like, don't you want one? I was like, well, I never thought you'd buy me one. So she bought me a Game Boy and I was introduced to Tetris and it was all over. Still my favorite game ever is Tetris. I played Tetris. I had a Game Boy. I had a Game Boy Color. Um, I didn't really play too much when I was in high school. I went to college, um, the Sega Saturn was out, so I played a lot of games on the Sega Saturn with people in my dorm. Sega Saturn, yeah. And I really enjoyed it. That's yeah. a deep cut. <laughs> That's, yeah. And then um, I was introduced to Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, and I immediately bought a PS2 so I could play it. And then Grand Theft Auto became my favorite game, and now I have to have every copy and play it. Although now... Now with the Star Wars game coming out only on the PS4, I'm crying just a little bit because I'm like, I don't want to buy a PS4 oh, um, yet. But the Star Wars Battlefront is that the one? Yeah. Yes, it's so that looks pretty. pretty cool. I know. I remember when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, and it, it was. I remember with my group of friends, it it was. It was kind. It was very similar to when the feeling of when Pulp Fiction came out. Just that feeling that you something was happening, and it was huge, and you were right in the middle of it. It was a, it was a really amazing cultural moment when that game came out because it it was it, it did so many things that most people didn't think games could do. And I remember a friend of mine saying, it's not just a game, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed so appropriate <laughs> for the time. Although, of course, I've gone back. I it went does. back and played it again last year, actually, just because it was on Steam, uh, on which, uh, for those of you who don't know what Steam is, is an on is a platform on PC for where you can purchase and download PC games and play them on on your computer. Anyway, I re I went and bought it because it was on sale for five bucks or something, and uh, was replaying it. And man, that world felt so gigantic at the time, and now it's just tiny. That's <laughs> <laughs> amazing how things how perceptions change. Are you guys seeing in your libraries? Um a fairly equal number of, of girls and boys coming in to play the games, check out the games, uh, or is it more 
one over the other? What what is what's kind of the diversity within the gaming at the library? I think just by the nature of the group of kids that I have, there's more girls because they come to more programming. Um, but the boys take it very seriously, and the girls are like, "I'm just gonna push buttons, and I'm still <laughs> gonna beat you, and it's fine." But it's a it's a pretty good mix. They they just enjoy being in each other's company and trash talking each other. But there's more girls than boys just because that's just the makeup of the kids who come into the, the mm-hmm. building. But the boys take it very seriously. It's and what funny. about you, Mike? <laughs> uh, well, it's nice to, I'm glad to hear that there's, that there's some diversity there, that there's girls getting involved for sure. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it is more the often in our teen programming, it tends to be boys who are coming mo- mostly. Although there is a, there is a small but dedicated group of girls that come in, and you know they give as good as they get. So they're you know they're totally into games, and they're you know and they're and they're they're partic- they want to participate, and they're they're good. They're they're really good. They're better than me. So uh, that's awesome to see too. Um, and certainly that's a that's something we want to. That's something we. Uh, we're very intentional about promoting. I don't actually run the program myself. I kind of, I kind of got it off the ground, sort of. But really, it's actually the people that really are the backbone for it are a couple, uh, two library assistants, two colleagues of mine, uh, and they're both females. Um, and so they're both, they've both gotten into, kind of gotten into gaming culture and have really learned about that. And so they've been great models for that sort of thing uh, for the girls that come in, um, and then also as you know, also kind of as a. As a balance, you know, so if because sometimes, you know, I mean, they're teenage boys, and so they're learning how to behave, <laughs> you know. And so, and I think it's been, I think it's been good to have that sort of influence as well. And I, I, I kind of walk in and check in and go, "Hey guys, how's it going?" You know, but really, it's they're the ones that are running it, and it's been, it's been a really nice balance. So I'm very and, pleased. And how? I mean, do they play the the, the guys and the girls? Do, do they play together? How do they? treat each other and interact with each other you know i i'm asking primarily because we had just here for the podcast a, a group of us had just had a big discussion about uh, comic books and you know if you talk to dc and marvel they don't seem to not even want to acknowledge that they have a female fan base at all and um, of course there's always this idea you know when a woman there's these stereotypes, these myths out there, which to a certain extent are true. It has been true experience for some women when they walk into a comic book shop, you know, they're kind of looked at like, ooh, look at this alien species. And <laughs> they're not sure how to, not all the time, not every place. But how about in the gaming world? Do you, do you find that the, the sexes are meshing well and they're getting along with each other and respectful of each other? Or... Is there some ideas out there that girls don't play games like girls don't read comics? I think there was a study recently that said uh, females over the age of 35 are the biggest mark, the biggest players. They're the biggest gamers. So, yeah, that's that's not true in gaming. Women are playing more games. Everyone Mm -hmm. I know plays games. I can't remember what study it was, but I read it recently and I was like, yes. No, tell right. me I can't play games. Right. For sure. I mean, I think the there is still there. I mean, there is still a lot of bad stuff out there as far as the perception of of girls, you know, girls as women, females as gamers, um, you know, and it's sort of that the and i have a lot of i have a lot of friends who are female who who are gamer who are very hardcore gamers you know they're they could kick my butt any day of the week uh and 
but there is that feeling that if you're a female and you go into a gaming, like you go into Call of Duty or you go into something like Halo or whatever, that you need to somehow justify your fandom right off the bat. Mm -hmm. That there's that feeling, you know, oh, well, are you a real gamer or are you just a fake girl gamer? You know, or some that that crap like that, Uh, which is really unfortunate. Um, You do what you can to try to to not tolerate that sort of thing. I mean, I think gaming communities, I think the you know, the moderators in gaming communities like in World of Warcraft or in Halo or Destiny and stuff like that, I think they try to moderate the, the really awful stuff and and as, as best they can. Um, I mean, it's it's ugly out there, though. And certainly from the library perspective, in our programs, I mean, we have kind of a zero-tolerance policy about abuse. And, mm-hmm. you know, people if people want to participate in our programs, they, they are going to be respectful of everyone. And, you know, and we've, we've had to take some hard lines on that. But, you know, that's... Hopefully, it leads to a more positive environment. I think it's unfortunate because any like geek girl or nerdy girl has to defend herself. You know, I'm a fan. I've been a fan. Why do I have to, you know, give you my background? Right. But you always have to. One of the best things that ever happened to me at the library, um, I was running a tag meeting with the teens. And one of the teen boys had asked me if I had heard about the new Batman, this was like last year, obviously, he asked me if I had heard about the new Batman. And before I could say anything, another team boy looked at him. He's like, dude, it's faith. You don't think she knows this? And I was like, oh, that's my greatest moment right there. That's so great. Are you kidding? She knows, so she knows more about it than you do. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, even when I did the, the last time when I did the Star Wars segment, you know, I still was like, let me give you my background because people are going to be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And I'm like, yes, I do. I know lots of things. <laughs> but yeah, I think all girls have to do it. It sucks, though. Yeah, it does. It's, you know, I mean, you hope that, I mean, and it seems like the industry, the you know, in the mainstream, the industry, the gaming industry gets that and that they're, they're trying to, to find ways to, you know, to be more inclusive. Um, but, you know, we have a long way to go. Well, what, <laughs> There's a really what, long way to what go. What percentage, I mean, we may not know exactly, uh, you know, what, what the statistics are, or maybe you guys do, I don't, but how many, uh, what percentage of women do you think are actually creating these games? I mean, in my mind, I think, you know, the gaming industry on the creative end it is primarily male-dominated, and so these games are very often created, like you said, Call of Duty, Halo, Street Fighter, Grand Theft Auto. These tend to be testosterone-laden sort of games, uh, you know, men created for men primarily. Of course, they're not going to Male power fantasies. Yeah, they're they're not going to be putting labels on there. Women can't play, but by the same token, if you don't think about women when you're making the games, uh, you can't be too surprised when there's a backlash. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, I mean, certainly it doesn't. And feel free to. I'm sure. I'm I'm just guessing here because I'm not a woman. (laughs) Um, But the I would imagine that it's a little disheartening to want to play a new game and the only female representation is you know the the princess with big boobs who needs to be rescued and you don't get to be the hero then and I would imagine that that would be sort of like come on you know (laughs) yeah that is and even you know if I play Laura Croft her measurements are not even you know 
realistic. Wait, I saw really? the new no, map. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just, it was annoying because there's this new um, Uncharted game that's coming out that looks really great. And the kid's wearing like a baggy t-shirt and baggy jeans. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If that was a woman, she'd be in spandex and it, you know, she would have only a rib, not like four. So it is disheartening. I want there to be a Grand Theft Auto where it's a female because... Don't piss off a woman. She will kick your ass more than, you know, some mafia guy. So I just, I feel like they're missing the boat. Let me have a choice between a girl or a guy. The last Grand Theft Auto had three characters that you could choose from at one point. You can't tell Mm -hmm. me that couldn't be a girl. I wish, I wish, uh, I wish Trevor was a girl, I think. (laughs) That would have been so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would have. It would have been crazy but yeah and she doesn't have to be a crazy girl you know like trevor she just has to be a girl that's just taking no shit from yeah, anyone. for reference judith I trevor is a trevor that. is a homicidal maniac who's addicted to crystal meth <laughs> <laughs> you play he's one of the playable characters in the game he is literally insane his 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 missions just cause me to like okay i need like four hours no one talk to me while i try to beat this mission because he's insane but he's funny well he represents he represents the player who Every time, when everybody plays Grand Theft Auto for the first time, the first thing everybody does is, I'm going to go destroy things. I don't, so that's basically what he represents. But, um, no, you're absolutely right. And I know that, that was a, there, was, there was some criticism about that, about Grand Theft Auto with, you know, it would have been nice to have a female character. It would have been interesting. Uh, what, are, what are some examples of games that you've played that do have strong female characters? Uh, Heavy Rain. I, um, have you played that one? That one was crazy. Every decision that you made in the game had an outcome on the rest of the game. So you just had to do that. And it was, a, I played, I can't remember, it's been a couple years, it's probably been like three or four years since I played it. I played it in a weekend and I beat it and I got all my people alive, which was like unheard of. And I played the female character. I picked her and she was like, I think she was the only female character. I can't quite remember. It's been so long. But, you know, she was investigating the death of somebody and you had to go through and find the clues and you had to decide, you know, am I going to open this door or am I going to go out the back door? And things like that would just, it would just take you along on this ride. It was real. It's, it's a very intense game. It's, there was one part where I was so squeamish. I didn't think I could finish the mission, but I had to, had to cut off a finger in the game. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's one game that I can remember off the top of my head where I was the girl the whole time. And I was like, this is awesome. And I beat it with everybody was still alive at the end. I was so excited. (laughs) Because there's an option where, you know, the people you're hunting down or helping, you know, they die. And I, didn't happen to me yeah i've got a couple of examples i mean just that i that i thought where i came away from it thinking that was a really interesting character and um i mean one of them was the uh the walking dead uh, five-part series that came out from telltale games uh which was sort of like a point-and-click adventure but it was based in the world of the walking dead you play as in season two you play as a little girl uh named clementine who's i think she's about 11 or 12 in the in the game uh and that was that was they did a really nice job with that character um and 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 actually, in in some of the latter later episodes of it, they they did some really interesting things about kind of where there were a couple of other there, uh, all all female characters who were kind of holding everything together, and it was it wasn't really explicit, but it was a really interesting. Uh, they did a nice job of it in terms of the storytelling. Um, another one I'm thinking of is is actually um, 
from the Saints Saints Row, which is a series that was basically started as a Grand Theft Auto ripoff. Uh, it's the same kind of idea, open world crime simulator, you know, where you run around and do crazy things. Um, in some of the in Saints Row Three and Saints Row Four, uh, there's some there's some actually really interesting uh, characters, even though they're I mean they're kind of insane, <laughs> they're kind of all over the place, <laughs> but in they're free spirited and they're very open open they're kind of very sexual characters but there's not there's not judgment of them and it's it's there's not there's not apologies or excuses made they're just they're very much kind of like you know how a lot of male characters are allowed to be kind of crazy and do stuff and that's they go for that similar vibe that they're not held to they're held to the same standards as any other characters and i, I don't know that's I was kind of, I, I came away from the, that game thinking that definitely you know very interesting characters with some with some nuance and some layers that um, unfortunately are not that common in, in video games. And did did either of you guys have any any problems in instituting the gaming nights at at your libraries? Because as we mentioned, you know there's a lot of mature games and violent games and whatever and. Some boards are a little more uh, conservative, shall we say, than others. Uh, you know, how much of a fight was there, if any, to uh, bring these games in and have the game nights there? And- uh, we never really, as far as our branch level, uh, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the the planning for this program came about from discussions with my manager, who was has been nothing but super supportive. She's she's awesome. She's like. You know, when I give, come up with an idea, and she goes, "Go for it, do it. It sounds great." Uh, and then talking to the people who are running the program as well, and we—it was mostly just us talking about it and kind of figuring out how we were going to do it. Um, and it was just a question of what are we going to do about M-rated games? And we came to the conclusion that, well, for the because it there, even though it's twelve to seventeen, it is generally more the twelve, thirteen-year-olds that are coming. Um, and again, we just we just decided that it would be best to just stick with teen T for teen games because then. It uh, it avoids any uncomfortable conversations, uh, and we didn't want to limit it to any. We wanted, you know, we want more people to come, and if if more people are coming because they're if they're not M-rated games, then that's what we're going to do. And and again, I mean, if they want to take it home, they can take an M-rated game home. So we figured it wasn't really like that much of a big compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have any pushback at all. I was like, hey, want to do this? So like, yeah, that's cool. Do, you know, <laughs> do what you want. You're good. Uh, but I just keep it. You know, it's we're always trying to get teens in the library, um, so I was trying to keep it in the T range because it won't, didn't want to have them play an M game, and that's the one time you know the conservative family decides to come and the parent decides to sit in and watch. So to avoid things like that, we just keep it in the T. If I hear by that and my programming, like I said, I can protect the teens area. Be like, oh no, I'm sorry. You can't this is for, you know, 13 and up or whatever the ratings are. I forgot. But no, they were real supportive. They're like, yeah, that's great. I'll be like, oh, I'm going to do this. They're like, yeah, fine. Go. You're great. That's awesome. So, yeah, I've got really, yeah, I I don't. I've got real, real understanding um, supervisors. Great. Yeah, and we mix it up, too. I mean, the we have the game system. We have the PS4 out. We have the Wii out for the teen night. Um, but of, of course, we also have other things out too. We have some we have some board games, and we put out makerspace materials so people can uh, can you know play around with those types of things. Uh, and they're they're creating, and you know it all it all kind of is part of the larger issue, the large not issue, the the larger um, uh, focus of digital literacy. 
you know, uh, and creating stuff. Um, uh, and, you know, and it's funny, the, the strangest thing happens where sometimes we'll get teens coming in and they'll actually bring in books or manga that they're reading and they end up starting to talk about what they're reading and, you know, lo and behold, <laughs> it, it's becoming a book club. Right. And, you know, which is, which is the really interesting thing where these literacies are meshing together and, um, yeah, and that's, it seems, it's sort of almost like the, the gaming and the appeal of that is what's it's kind of getting them in the door and getting them comfortable and feeling they're with with their peers and it, hopefully it, it seems to be facilitating more of a some more engagement with the library and with literature yeah we mix it up too we don't play the video game often just because like i said there's not a lot of pvp yet uh but we do a lot of other gaming we do you know munchkin and gloom and they love playing those games and even though there's a limited number the ones who don't play are reading but they're they're excited to be in the room with the kids because watching teens play gloom and munchkin with each other is hysterical because well with the gloom game the goal is to make your opponent die a happy death and you want to buy a horrible (laughs) you want to die a horrible death so they'll see things like you i'm gonna kill you with a puppy but first I'm going to make you more happy. So it's just, and that's the entertaining factor. So even the kids who aren't playing, who are reading are hearing this and they're just cracking up. They're like, it's more fun to listen to them than it is to play. So it is, but it does, it does turn into like a book club or they'll talk about colleges or they'll talk about, you know, their homework and Hey, I have an assignment. Can you help me? And it just turns into like this support group. This like really, you know, I never would have imagined that, but if they're not, playing games with each other they're talking about everything else so gaming yeah, leads to good awesome. things well that's another part of it that's another part of it too that with when they're when they're playing these games they're they're not reading stories they're creating their own stories there's this emergent narrative that goes on yes uh, with pvp and oh i had this person down to a sliver of health and then they came back and they knocked me out oh my god it was amazing <laughs> you know and you have these you get to create these memories and these stories, and certainly when going back to like talking about League of Legends, uh, there's it's a fascinating game to watch for that for that drama because these matches last 45 minutes and somebody makes one little mistake and it just turns everything on its head. And you know, it's again, I, I'm I'm pretty much useless when it comes to playing it, but uh, I love watching matches to see how you know to see these. There's tons of drama in there and there's intrigue. It's like in a way it's kind of like watching sports. Maybe this is a preview for another podcast, <laughs> but the um, <laughs> another episode of the library line, but uh, there's that there's that drama that you just, you know, because it's it's happening right now and you don't know how it's going to end up and and it's just it's how they they talk to each other too. I had one teen who's now who started his freshman year in college, but he always had a, he always had his PSP or um, his Vita with him all the time, and he would always talk to people. But he would often like hand it to me and be like, "Here, play this," and I'd be like, "Okay," because he knew what kind of games I wanted. And there was one day. Um, it was just a couple months ago. I don't know what was happening, but he just handed me his PSP because it had Burnout Legends on it. And he knew I loved to just crash the cars and win the other cars. And he just handed it to me and like walked away. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. So it's also a bonding thing. You know, he just, like I said, he handed it to me and he like walked away because he was like, here, play it. I'm going to sit here and watch you play it. No, that's great. You know, so you kind of, 
lure them in with the games and, and you're getting so much more out of it. They're getting so much more out of it. You know, it kind of reminds me, Faith, when you were saying at the beginning how when you went into the classrooms and you said to the kids, do you read? And they're like, oh, nobody raised their hand. And uh, then when you reminded them about the stuff related to the game, it was like, oh, you know, a little eye-rolling. And it's funny how when you like something, when you enjoy something, you think it's uh, it's something that's fun for you. You don't consider it reading. You know, if you have if it's an assignment in class or you're told you have to do it, and then it becomes work, then you associate maybe all reading with non pleasure. And uh, yet now through the gaming, they're realizing that reading can be for pleasure too. It's not just you know, something that your teacher assigns you to do a book report on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, one of my teens, he, I can't remember what class it is, it's either econ or stats. They're running a fantasy football league. They were given like a budget and they're running a fantasy football league and he's so excited. So it's even creeping into, you know, the curriculums at school. So it's not just libraries that are doing it. Very cool. While video games are recent additions to modern libraries, they're already making their mark as circulating collections as well as programming resources. Like a new game of Minecraft, there's a whole world unfolding before our eyes, and it's exciting to see where it's all going to lead. Thanks for listening to the Library Land Podcast. Library Land is an independent podcast. We have no advertisers or sponsors. Thoughts and opinions expressed are solely those of each podcast contributor and are not reflective of any group or organization and should not be taken as such. Music is by Ben Sound at www.bensound.com slash royalty dash free dash music. We encourage listener feedback and participation at librarylandpodcast.blogspot.com at librarylandpod on Twitter Libraryland at Outlook.com and Facebook.com slash Library Land Podcast. Thank you.